before we pray, just a, a kind of a request announcement. Uh, Class 210 has the, uh, the Christian Village devotional tonight, and uh, they are inviting all of you or any, anyone really that would like to participate in that devotional tonight. The more the merrier, they say. And they are going to meet at Christian Village at 5 o'clock over here right off of 410. And if you would like to be a part of that, they would love to have you. Singing's always better. It's a great blessing to those senior adults over there. And if you need some more information, you can contact Brian Howell. Brian Howell will have uh, any information or uh, can answer the questions that you might have about uh, that activity tonight over at Christian Village, 5 o'clock tonight. We are going to, uh, to press our mind into God's Word right now, and we're going to be thinking about motherhood. But before we do that, we want to ask God to bless us as we study His Word and for it to reside in our heart as, as, a, as a powerful influence and as a, a, a way of shaping the way that we, we think about life and especially think about the, the, the role of motherhood in our nation. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful for all the ways that you, you bless us. We, we stop counting so often because they're so innumerable. But this morning, Father, we pause as we, we worship you and we, we praise you for the ways that you've blessed us with forgiveness and grace and uh, eternal salvation and uh, a confidence and a strength in this life, Father, and a purpose and a significance and, and for friendship, not just, not just with, with each other, but especially a friendship with you that, that, that helps us to overcome every, every mountain that we face. But in this moment, Father, we, we lift up to you our mothers, we do not come into this life with, without them. We pray that, that we never lose sight of, of the power and the influence that a mom has in the lives of her children, and not just through their, their, their early years, but throughout all of life. And we're grateful for these people, these women, Father, who, who love us unconditionally, who, who love us in ways that, that sometimes we don't even understand ourselves until we have children too. And we pray in this morning as we, we think about Your Word and how it, 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 it teaches and instructs our minds and shapes the way that we live, that You will give us eyes that see and ears that hear, Father, in this subject. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm a blessed man. One of my favorite things when I come here on Sunday mornings is to see all these little kids, these, these, little, uh, these little children, all ages, running around this church campus. And uh, there are times when, uh, you know, that's just a lot of energy. And there are times when, uh, you know, when, when I just, I, I'm just so grateful and, and wonder why God is blessing us so, so greatly and so abundantly with these, these beautiful children. I, I think back 20 years ago when Ellen and I had little tiny children in our own home. I think Jesse, 20 years ago, was six and Jordan was, was two or three years of age. And people would come up to us here in the States or down in Brazil and they would say things to us like, hey, you better watch those kids because they grow up really, really fast. Before you know it, they'll be gone. Or they'll say something like, you know, these are the great years. You know, if you blink, they're going to be gone. You need to pay attention. And Ellen and I would kind of look at each other and go, you know, that's kind of funny because these days seem like they're kind of long. <laughs> Especially when you're changing dirty diaper 13,462. They don't seem like they're moving very, very fast. But then somebody came up to us and said one time, you know, the days go slowly, 
But the years go fast. And we said, you know, that really makes a lot of sense to us. That sounds right. And because those days are slow, but the years are fast, all moms have to ask themselves a question. The question is, how do I have maximum influence on my kids? The time that God gives me, how do I have maximum influence on my kids? You've heard me say it hundreds of times in the last dozen years or so that you know, as a mother and a father and really any disciple of Jesus, you're always teaching even when you're not teaching. That you're always instructing. You're always teaching even when you don't think that you're teaching. But the problem with that is unintentional teaching is not the most effective way of, of doing it. Intentional teaching is always better than accidental teaching. And that's why you need to add to the list of all the things that you do, mother, during the day, whether it's, it's being a chauffeur or a cook or a nurse or a tutor or whatever it might be. You need to add the role mentor. You need to add the role mentor. Now for the commercial. Over the last couple of years uh, in our children's ministry, we've had a, a group of ladies that have met uh, during the school year on a Monday night each month to talk about what it means to be a mom. We call it mentoring moms. And we have some of the older moms getting together with the younger moms and they share a meal together and it's open to everybody. Uh, Kirby has, has done a great job in organizing it. And, and this year they were actually reading a book by by Janie Kendall, or maybe it's Kendall, uh, Jackie Kendall, called Mentoring Mom. And I actually read the book myself. It's a, it's a, it's a great book. And what I want to do, moms, is, is to invite you to be a part of Mentoring Mom. It is an absolutely brilliant ministry in our church to have all of these women come together and to share a meal and to, and to talk about a book and to talk about Scripture and to talk about being a mother, the, the highs and the lows, the goods and the bads. And, and, to sh and, and to know that they're not doing it alone. And, and to know that there are resources in our church family. When you have a church family this size, there are always resources for you when it comes to raising your kids or your finances or whatever it might be that pertains to your family. This church is chock full of resources. And that's just one of them. And the next one is going to be May 20th on a Monday night at 6.30 over in the Fellowship Hall. If you need some more information, get a hold of Kirby. Call her, email her, grab her after the assembly this morning. Or, or she will point you to one of the, the moms that are participating. And they will tell you that they want you to be a part of that. Now, the big question after the commercial is, what is a mentor? We throw that word around a lot, don't we? Everybody wants to be a mentor. Nobody wants to be mentored. What is a mentor? I like Bob Beale's definition. It comes out of his book, Mentoring. It's one that has stuck with me for a number of years. It's this. A mentor is a lifelong relationship. It's a lifelong relationship in which a mentor helps a protege. You might want to scratch that word out. It's Bob Beale's word. You can insert your kid's name there. It's in which a mentor helps, insert the name of your kid, reach her or his God-given potential. That's what a mentor does. Sounds kind of simple, doesn't it? Let me read it again. A mentor is a lifelong relationship in which a mentor helps a protege reach her or his God-given potential. Now again, what is, it, what is it that makes up the life of a mentor that makes them effective with, with sharing their life and pouring their life into another one? Well, everybody knows about the worthy woman passage in, in, in Proverbs 31. Uh, Bob White read it just beautifully for us just a minute ago. Out of that section he read, I'm going to give you five attributes of a mentor, and then after that I'm going to give you maybe the top three things that a mentor mom does for her children. So five attributes of a mentor. Number one, a mentor has a character worth imitating. It's not about what you say, and it's not just about what you teach. It's who you are. 
I mean, the one thing that you cannot argue with is a changed life. And a changed life is an impactful life in this culture and, and especially inside of our families. Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 10, a wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than what? Rubies. You find a mom that has that kind of character, she's priceless. She is not just worth more than rubies, it's far more than rubies. Old writer by the name of Thomas Carlyle said, you know, you, you must become or you must be what would, you would have your pupils to be. And so the question I want to ask, Mom, if, when you're mentoring your kiddos, what do your children learn about God as they watch you every day? And when they listen to you, your incidental conversations, and when you're talking to your husband, when you're talking to your spouse, or you're talking to somebody else, or a colleague or a friend, what is it that they learn about God that's precious and beautiful and majestic? And, and again, what does your emotional life say about your faith when it comes to maybe worrying about some things or anxiety or, or, or even the ways that, that, that you talk about other folks? A mentor has a character that's worth imitating, and that's something that you work on for the rest of your life. Number two, a mentor always increases knowledge. You're always working on, on your reservoir of, of information. You're always reading. You're always thinking. You're always listening. You're always learning. One of the things that I learned early on in life, and I learned it from my own parents, is that you can. there's never... A, a, a finite number of books to read. There's, there, there's never a place where you come in your learning or in your life where you say, you know what, I've learned everything that there is to learn. I've arrived. I'm done. You never say that. You're always filling your mind and, and, and you're, you're crossing swords with other people in a, in, a, in, a, in a positive way, sharpening that sword and sharpening that mind and sharpening that wit and sharpening that, that, that knowledge base that you have. And, and, and Solomon writes in Proverbs 31 and verse 26, this is a woman that speaks with wisdom. And faithful instruction is on her tongue. You know, a lot of times we think that just the older you get, the more this comes. You, you, you know what comes naturally? It's not heavenly wisdom, but worldly wisdom. And we've had enough of worldly wisdom in the, in this, on this planet since it's been created. What we need is what James talks about when he says, you know what, if you look for, if you want wisdom, you want heavenly wisdom, wisdom that comes from the throne room of God at the center of all things, then that's something you need to pray about. And it's something that you work on. A mentor is always increasing their knowledge and their wisdom. And then number three, a mentor has earned influence. That means that she has something to pass on and it's something that she herself has gained. In Proverbs 31, beginning in verse 16, she considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. This is a woman that is involved in life. She's not passive. She is involved. And everywhere she goes, she's, 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 she's pressing her life into the world around her. Verse 18, she sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. You know, moms, it's hard to pass on to someone else something that you don't have. And that's why there always has to be a degree of personal development that's a part of every day. I don't, I don't care if it's a devotional book or if it's something that you might listen to on the radio or a, a, a CD or an MP3 or whatever it might be, or it might be somebody that you meet with, somebody that's coaching you or mentoring you in life, mentoring you in life. But 
you are pressing your life into life itself and you're able to, out of those experiences to gain something that's worth passing on to your children. And then number four, a mentor has a genuine interest that is felt. In Proverbs 31, verse 26 and 28, verse 26 says she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. You drop down to verse 28, her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. You know, you can always tell when somebody's patronizing to you, right? I mean, one of the worst experiences in life is that you go to somebody that is older or somebody that you think may be down the road a couple of steps further than you, and you really want to learn from that person. There's something about that person that is, that's winsome. You really cherish the things that you have, have, uh, have seen and you observe happening in their life. And then you go to that person and you start to learn, and the next thing you know, you know that, that, that interest that they, that they have for you is a feigned interest. It's really not all that genuine. I mean, all of us, you don't have to be all that, that, that sensitive, that emotionally sensitive to know when somebody really loves you and somebody really cares about your success in life. And not only that, they're, they're not afraid to pass on to you the, 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 the positive things, but also the negative things that they sometimes need to pass on to you for that, for that to be developed into, into a positive in your life. And you want to find somebody and you want to be that kind of person that is able to, to genuinely have that kind of interest in somebody's life. And what Solomon says is, you know what, this kind of woman, her husband sees it, her husband feels it. The kiddos, the kids know that the mom really has an interest in them. And they rise up and they call her what? Blessed. And then number five, a mentor willingly commits time and energy you know, in that passage that Bob read for us, there's just a lot of things that this woman is doing. The woman of Proverbs 31 is not living a passive life. She works at it intentionally. And she is devoting her best time and best energy, her best efforts, in other words, to the things that are most important. And she never stops doing that. And with that kind of character that is being built into a mom who understands her role as a mentor, here are, there are a lot of things that you need to be doing with kiddos. Fathers, too. But here are the top three that I want to give you this morning and then the lesson's yours. Number one, what do moms mentor in their children? They need to love God. Number one thing, love God. That is a, that's a verb. That means there's, there's strenuous action that is given to the pursuit of God. In fact, that's what loving God means. Loving God means pursuing God. And going all the way back to the beginning of the nation of Israel as it's being formed, that's one of the lessons that they learned over and over again from, from listening to Moses. Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 6, in the very first sermon he gives in Deuteronomy to prepare the minds and the hearts of the people to go into the promised land, he says to them, Hear, O Israel, which is another way of saying, Pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. That word impress means that you're stamping that desire, that pursuing of God, that loving God, the way that Moses is describing it here, that is to be stamped on the heart and the mind of your children. That when they think about what life is all about, they, they, can, they can readily give the answer. It's about loving God. It's about pursuing God with all of my heart and all of my mind and all of my strength. You talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. 
Now, one of the idols that is a growing idol in our culture right now, it's the idol of inconvenience. And, and one of the things that, that makes me a little bit worried about things that I see happening out in our culture, out uh, on the landscape of America, is how inconvenience, or convenience, the flip side of that, is, is the idol. That it is the thing that is, it, 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 in some respects, even more so than tolerance, is convenience. What a, it, there's such a premium. There's such a high priority that is placed on convenience. And when something becomes inconvenient, then it becomes what? Something that we don't do. It becomes disposable. It becomes something that we, we, we're not going to press our best in, uh, energies into. And when we think about this culture, one of the things that works against us is that there is a lot of activity and there are a lot of demands and there are a lot of things that are happening out there. And one of the things that we need to guard against in our hearts and in our minds and in our practices and the way that we live our life is to make sure that inconvenience does not stand in the way of our teaching our children that the highest priority that they have in this life is to love God the way that Moses talks about it. And you do that in the road and when you're lying down and when you're having dinner and all of these different places. In the carpool, there is not a place, according to Moses, that you are not teaching this and showing this and prioritizing this in your life and making sure that it's manifested and demonstrated in a way that these kids see it. And they don't have to be taught it. They need to be taught it, but they can just see it because of the pattern that is in your life, that that's what we do. That to be an absher or to be a bailey or, or to be a brown or a florist or a branch means that we love God. And that's, there's no questions about that. That's just our habit. It's the way we live our life. And so there are some practices. The first one is, you know, a commitment to prayer. Memorize this Scripture sometime today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Pray continually. Pray continually. Your kids, moms, let your children See your prayer life. And let me tell you this. You know, just because your son gets baptized doesn't mean that he stopped needing to see his mom pray. These kids need to see a mother of faith for all of their life. And they need to see those moms praying, not just during the good times when everything is positive. They need to see a mom of prayer when they're in that valley and in those dark spots. And then secondly, a dedication to God's Word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. There is nothing more beautiful than children to see their mother with the Word of God open up at a table or at a, at, a, at a desk or in a chair or wherever it might be and just reading that Word, not because she's getting ready for a lesson, but because those words speak to her soul. Those words nourish her. She flourishes in life. Because she nurtures her life every day with God's Word. And, it, and, it's, and it's not something that is, that is pressed and it's not something that's awkward that these kids see. Just the natural opening of God's Word. They see that open Bible on the coffee table or on the dinner table or in the kitchen or on the bed or in the, the special mom chair. They see that Bible open. And then the last thing is a desire for worship. Psalm 122. I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. You know, that excitement about going to worship and, and not just seeing friends and not just being with, with people that are like-minded and not just because of, 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 of fantastic activities, but because we're going to worship God Almighty. That God who has blessed us with our home, 
And God who has blessed us with our clothing and our food and, 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 and an abundance of resources, that we as a family have been blessed with the kind of knowledge that tells us that this is not just something that comes from ourselves, but it's a blessing from God. And that we get to say thank you. I mean, our culture doesn't say thank you very often or very well. And sometimes coming to worship, is, is a, it, it can be tedious. I'd be the first one to say that. And sometimes you don't feel that. But you get to come before God Almighty and to be thankful for the knowledge of Christ. And you get to be thankful for the fact that you're surrounded by brothers and sisters, that God has put you in a family. And that beyond all of the things that we do during the week, the most important thing that we do is to come to this place with each other. Yes, you can worship every day. You can sing songs of praise to God every day. But there is, on the first day of the week, the coming together of all of the saints to be the body of Christ and to look beautiful in the community and to raise up hymns of praise to God and for an anthem of grace to swell in our hearts as we march according to the beat of the kingdom of God in this life. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And then number two, teach them to love God, but number two, to live with a noble purpose. Jim Collins wrote a line that has stayed with me ever since I read it. In fact, uh, some of you have read the same book, and I think we've all had the same experience. We read the very first sentence in this book and closed it and said, that's fantastic. I don't know if I can get anything better out of this book. And the line is, the good is the enemy of the great. The good is the enemy of the great. If we're not careful, we will lead our children to dedicate their life or to dedicate their best energies to something that is acceptable rather than something that is consecrated. And that is a gigantic difference. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, that everybody is going to be called to do something that, that's radical or something that is going to be earth shaking and it's going to cause an earthquake along you know the 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 the, the fault lines of the church or are called to be a missionaries or anything like that sometimes we're called to a quiet life but it means a quiet life that is dedicated to the purpose of god it means the kind of life that is noble not because of bank accounts and not because letters behind your name but because of what is invested in your heart because of god's drawing near to you in Acts chapter 20, you know, Paul says, you know, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. I mean, who wants to live after that, right? After you've finished the race, I mean, who wants to live? You've done your work. You've done your task. You have lived the life. It's the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. You know, one of the ways that we, we, we need to do a better job of evangelizing out in this community is teaching our children how they live their life, how they speak in conversations, how, how they drive, how they work, their work ethic, how, how they're, they're generous with their... how, how, they, how they, they, they deal with the neighbors. In, in all of those areas of life, in the way that they live, people begin to learn something about what it means to be a Christian. That there's something in the way that you look at a marriage their marriages, and people can find out something about the gospel. That's what Paul's talking about in Ephesians 5. You look at a marriage, you should be able to see the gospel right there. And that's what it means to live with a noble purpose. And the bottom line is this. You know, God has a job for everybody. God has a job for everybody. And moms 
who mentor, help kids see that God has a mission for them by bringing God and His mission into every aspect of their life, even if it's a quiet life, even if it's an ordinary life. And then here's a big one for me uh, uh, personally. Number three, we need to teach kids how to be good forgivers. And they need to see that manifested in our own life. Moms, we manifest forgiveness. Forgiveness is the unspoken key to every successful relationship. If there was not forgiveness, I don't care how hard you tried, how hard you said, I'm sorry, if there's no forgiveness, you're lost in your sins and and God is not your God. I do not know of a single marriage in, in 30 years of ministry and 52 years of living that has not involved forgiveness to one degree or another. I've never known people in neighborhoods. I've never known people in, in, as colleagues in the workplace. I've never known a relationship that was significant at any time in the world, at any place on this planet, that at some point did not involve forgiveness as an important aspect, an important component of the health and the flourishing of that relationship. One of the ways that our children understand the reality of forgiveness from God is in the reality of the forgiveness that they experience from you and the reality of the forgiveness that they experience with their father. You know, what happens so many times is, you know, we do something that that we know is against God's will. We do something that we know makes God upset because we have violated His will. We're not showing love to God because we've not been obedient to His commands. And we stop coming to this place on Sundays and we stop, we close that word and and our, our, our prayer life becomes silent. And we begin to draw away from God because of of, of that, that, that lack of assurance, that lack of confidence of the fact that if we ask for forgiveness, it is there because He forgave us first, because He loved us first. But when we begin to manifest that forgiveness, and that doesn't mean that we take away the consequences, perish the thought that we would ever uh, protect our kids from consequences. That's life. And sometimes when you make mistakes, you're going to be forgiven, but you're going to pay the consequences for a very, very long time. But it still means that you have a relationship because of that forgiveness. And throughout this life, they're going to make mistakes. And they need to know that they can always, always turn to God and find relationship and love and grace and forgiveness and a confidence of the restoration of the righteousness that God promises us in 1 John chapter 1. And, and when you get a little bit out of shape with your husband, you need to forgive and stop talking about it. Husbands, same thing, but we're talking, it's Mother's Day. We'll get to you on Father's Day. <laughs> You're forewarned. But wives, you know, let your, let, let your children see you forgive your husband when he messes up. And the best way for them to see that is to see that strong relationship and to see the affection and to hear the I love you's and, 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 and to see the reconciliation. You know, let, let them see that. Let them see it for all of life. Because we, forgiveness is the key to every successful relationship. One last verse. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. You know, one of the uh, 
One of the one of my favorite passages out of Isaiah is is one where Isaiah is God is speaking through Isaiah and he tells the prophet this great vision of what it what the kingdom of God is all about. And Israel during this period of time is not in a high place. And after this great vision of how wonderful it's going to be and it's going to be the, the harmony and the unity of all mankind and God is going to be there and everybody's going to flourish and nations and all of it, it's going to be great, 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 great. Israel says to God, but I don't feel it. And, and God does something really wonderful. God doesn't, you know, He doesn't come across as a, as a drill sergeant and say, well, I don't care if you don't get it. As a he listens. He doesn't jump all over them. And He gives them a metaphor. And believe it or not, we think of God as Father. But God says to Israel, even though a mother, think about how great a mother's love is, even though a mother comes closer to forsaking you than I am, I love you like a mother. And what He's saying there is that, you know, volitionally, I choose to love you. Even though I get nothing in return, I choose to love you. And, and, and it's, 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 it's voluntary. I mean, you know, nobody it's out of God's own heart that He chooses to love Israel. And the point that, that God is making is that I do love you. And even when you think about how great a love for a mother is, her love can end at some point. Sometimes it's because she's a bad mother. And sometimes it's because as she gets older she forgets or maybe it's because she passes away. But at some point that love for your mother ends. Even so, I will continue to love you is what he's saying. And then from that point on, he talks about, he talk, he talk, he talks about the crucifixion. He says, to show you how much I love you, I have your name engraved on the palms of my hand. Only the word doesn't mean engraved. It means pierced. It's what you do when you have a chisel and a hammer. You pierce. You, you make a hole. You chip away. And what God is saying is that I love you like a mother and even more so. My hands will be pierced for you. You know, one of the things that we've celebrated this morning is the fact that we are forgiven. And one of the things that we've celebrated this morning is that we're loved and forgiven at the same time in the cross of Jesus. And what Glenn spoke this morning, you know, he's right. You know, you know, we don't really like being commanded to do things, but we are commanded to do this. But even going beyond the command, we want to do it because of the precious nature of the gift of the cross of Jesus. As Alfred prayed for us this morning, you know, we, we know what this love is like in the giving of a son. Your Son, God. To take all of our sins, all our sins, put on Him, and He bear them. He bear our iniquity so that we don't bear them anymore. That's how far God loves us. So that, as He can say, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. This morning, uh, Ben's going to lead us in a song right now. And this morning is an opportunity for you to find that God that loves you just that much. We're going to have a couple of our shepherds stand here at the front. If there are ways that our church can minister to you through baptism or the repentance and the confession of sin or counseling or whatever it might be through prayer, 
We want you to come down and talk to these shepherds now as Ben leads us in this song. Let's stand and sing together. Wonderful story of love. Tell it to me. I